This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio, Season 5, Episode 24. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 24 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hatton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. So today we're speaking with Shia Zarkesh, co-founder and chief teenage officer of the computational thinking playground PolyOut. Shia is currently a freshman at the University of Pennsylvania and the Wharton School, majoring in business, mathematics, and computer science. He has a passion for STEM and has won numerous awards for mathematics and science research. And uh, he's just finishing his last final and then heading heading uh, home for a break. So we're glad he could have some time to talk with us today about PolyUp. And PolyUp is a free and open computational thinking playground. Anyone using PolyUp can modify expressions, functions, and algorithms to the to discover the beauty of mathematics. PolyUp allows players to experiment with numbers, functions, and more in a visually engaging drag-and-drop environment. And with over 100 featured activities and the ability for anyone to create their own activity, PolyUp is a haven for mathematical thinking and sharing of ideas. So welcome to the podcast, Shia. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Let's start our conversation with a personal story about why it, what inspired you to work on the creation of PolyUp? I guess I have to start really early on um, for this personal story. Growing up, I was, I was always super into math. Um, I was always seen as kind of that math nerd. Um, no one really understood why I liked math. Um, and I would always, you know, spend my free time doing math problems or doing math competitions, things like that. Um, and I always kind of was looking for a way to show or spread my love up for math uh, to the people around me. Because, uh, I mean, even at my school, which was like a STEM STEM kind of school, most people were not really into math, maybe science, uh, maybe like tech or engineering. But math was like still a little bit esoteric, abstract, and not really, um, I guess, applicable to the real world. So that's kind of where people didn't see um, its use and its, its beauty. Um, so I started like doing things like tutoring, um, like just telling my friends, stories of some of the coolest mathematical topics I've seen. Um, and that worked to some extent, but it was only like uh, telling one person at a time, right? I couldn't, I couldn't get the word out or spread my love to the entire world by just talking to people. Um, so then during my sophomore year in high school, I met this, uh, this math professor who had come from, from Iran, and he was a visiting professor at Stanford. Um, and he was writing this book uh, for 
lot of the same reasons that that excited me. Um, he was trying to make math fun uh, and applicable and show a bunch of different problem solving processes to show, you know, a multifaceted solution approach. Um, so I was like, that, that's so cool. And he asked if I wanted to join him and help him edit and write this book. And I was, I was really honored. Um, and so I joined him in writing this book. And uh, as we were writing this book, it was, it became clear that doing a lot of the things we were talking about was really hard in book format. So we were like, why don't we try to take all these ideas of interactivity uh, and take it to a more interactive and you know, engaging format. So that's kind of how Polya began as the idea of why don't we teach these problem solving skills with video games. Uh, and that's kind of the start, the start of it all. That was about three years ago. So most of our listeners are probably new to PolyUp. So talk to us a little bit about this, what you're calling a computational thinking playground and why we should use it in schools and classrooms. At its core, PolyUp is kind of like a programming environment, but at the same time, um, it's a math environment. So it's what we call a, uh, a functional programming paradigm, which means that unlike normal programming environments where you're doing a series of statements, Everything is a series of functions, um, which makes it a lot more mathematical. So the cool thing about PolyUp is it has a very low bar uh, and a very high ceiling. And that means someone as low as a first or second grader can use PolyUp. But a lot of the problems in PolyUp, even I can't solve myself. Hmm. Um, and we actually took PolyUp to you know, the, the culmination of the, the best programming minds in the world uh, for this college programming competition. And they couldn't solve a lot of problems in PolyUp. So it has a very... Uh, you know, high uh, applicability to different students. So the way the, program, the, the playground actually works is we have these things called poly machines, which are activities about 15, 20 minutes long, geared for anywhere from first through 12th grade. And each poly machine has a bunch of different puzzles or what we call chips on it. And in each puzzle, what you're trying to do is you're given an initial expression, equation, or algorithm, and you're trying to modify that expression to output a different value, a value that that you're given the value that the character in the game is saying, let's, I want this value instead of the, the value it currently creates. Um, and so it starts with things like arithmetic expressions. How can I play with this arithmetic expression with the numbers I have to, to change it to something else? But it gets very profound. It's, it gets into variables, it gets into functions, uh, and most importantly, it gets into algorithms and kind of bridges that gap between math and computer science. So I guess the value pitch for problems for PolyUp is just, it's, it's a lot of fun. We've taken it to a lot of math classes and we've seen the students view towards math class. Like they come in being like, oh, what is this? I, I don't want to be here. Um, and, and they don't want to leave. They, they literally like play past the bell and the teacher has to tell them to go to the <laughs> next class. Um, but other than that, it's, it's a great way to, to show physically um, a lot of the, the abstract concepts in math. Um, and in that way, it makes math a lot more applicable, as I was saying. And that's key to making math something that students want to do and see the value in. So how do students know where to start in it? I'm, I'm hearing you say it goes from anywhere from a second grader to the most advanced math learner or, or person with a math passion. Sure. We're mostly geared towards teachers right now. Um, so the teacher would want to implement it in their class. But a student can totally go on our website and start themselves. Um, we have this site. Uh, it's machines.polyup.com that has all of our activities. Um, so what you'd probably do is start with an introductory activity called Meet Poly, and that would kind of take you through 
um, the basics of polyup, kind of what the environment does, the different types of blocks in the environment, and how the expressions compile. Um, but once you've done meet poly in a few basic number games, you can kind of go wherever you want. Um, you can look at what activities on the site interest you based on the descriptions and based on your skill level and age as a student, uh, you can kind of go at different rates. So let's circle back to uh, what you mentioned earlier, this, the, that students find this so engaging. Share with us a story or two about some of your experiences. I know when we met, you were talking about um, some of those, uh, how students get connected to this. And then, and then let's talk about like, what is it about it that really keeps kids engaged and, and not wanting to leave? I mean, the first one on top of my head, this was about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago. Uh, we were taking, so just to paint the picture, thus far we've taken Poly up to, um, you know, relatively high class STEM schools in the, in the Silicon Valley. Um, and we knew kids were like very familiar with tech and using tech in the classroom and they were all very excited, which didn't come as too much as a, of a surprise. So this time we were taking Poly up to a very low income school in the Oakland area. Um, and the test scores were not good in the school. Um, the, the teachers there kind of warned us that, that we shouldn't expect the students to be very engaged, um, things like that. Um, and we got to the school. It, it was actually quite a sight for me to see. Like there were, there were signs of don't bring guns anywhere. And it was, it was like, it was, a, it was a, kind of a culture shock to me. Um, I, I grew up in a very, you know, sheltered area. Um, so we got to this classroom and, and basically what the teachers said um, did hold. The students were completely aloof. Half of them were texting. Um, in the middle of class, another half run, or not half, but half of them were texting on Instagram. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were just not, not very engaged as we were trying to, you know, teach them the basics of polyup and get them to understand what was going on. Um, but as the class progressed, I think um, there was one point where we were kind of teaching them the factorial function um, and how to kind of think of that in polyup. Um, that a f like a few of the students, most of the students understood. And once they did, it kind of clicked for them. Uh, and they became really excited. Uh, and I say this completely genuinely. They, they went from doing something else on their phones to just playing with Polly up on their phones and not, <laughs> not giving a care about anything else. Um, and by the end of the class, after the bell rung, they were still playing with it and didn't really want to leave. And this is like high school students who don't really care about anything, you know? Um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, one other story I can share um, is... Uh, we actually took, I, I wasn't there for this one, but um, I can kind of vicariously share this story. Um, we took Polly up to um, a child who had autism. Um, and he was around 14 years old when they discovered this and, um, and started treating, treating his condition. Uh, so up to 14, he couldn't really talk or communicate. Uh, but luckily, due to technological advances, by 16, um, it kind of became um, better for him, but he was still having trouble, you know, controlling his motions, communicating, et cetera. So we took Polly up to him and we had him play. So, so he couldn't actually like drag the blocks on, on the phone. So we had him play by pointing two different blocks on a board um, and kind of a translator would, would move the blocks for him in the environment. Uh, and I, I guess in a kind of similar fashion to what happens a lot, at first he wasn't really interested um, he was very aloof. He wasn't really paying attention. Um, but by the end of the session, he, he realized, I think he was actually really good at this environment. And he was like solving these puzzles left and right. 
which was an amazing sight to see. He's one of like the best poly up players, um, <laughs> if you could call it a poly up player that we have ever seen. Uh, so again, yeah, by the end of the session, he was just on it and and didn't want us to leave. And he was so uh, so glad that that we had come to show him this thing. And and we promised him we'd make the environment easier to use um, for people with this condition um, by changing a couple of things with the UI. Um, and when we said that, he cried because it was he he enjoyed playing with it mm. so much. Um, but yeah, that was those are I guess the two most most heartwarming stories I can tell with Paulia. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So what what feedback do you get that that keeps people in the polyup environment that yeah they don't want to go uh, away? <laughs> sure. So there's some like uh, I guess flair and you know just polyup is in in some form um, a game and there's gamey things that happen like when you solve a puzzle, um, it's like stars and everything pop out and in that sense the the instant gratification is nice. Um, we also have this character called Polly who's really cute. And a lot of the younger kids especially really get attached to this orange cute little character um, and, and love to, because the story is basically you're teaching Polly math. Um, it's not that you're learning math, it's that you're teaching Polly. And that kind of takes students out of the mindset that I'm being taught at and more just like, let me play around and see if I can help another person out. Um, but I guess at a deeper level, making anything visual makes it more engaging. Um, so instead of a normal, you know, worksheet in math class where you'd have to literally write down the numbers and make sure you're doing all the calculations, right? Even though you technically know how to do the calculations, it's just a lot of, a lot of repeated practice. Um, you take students out of the mindset of, I am the, I am the one who chugs this, this equation um, and let the equation chug itself. But the profound thing that happens is you are, internally chugging the equation over and over to check what you think would be the right equation. But you do that in your head and you don't notice um, that you're kind of doing that mental work, but it is, it is effective nonetheless. So um, I guess that's, the, that's internally what I would say is, is the biggest reason for polyup success. It, it's like a student can either be playing with polyup or with a worksheet. And in a worksheet, they feel like they're doing a lot of unnecessary work. But with Polyup, they see it as a game and they're having fun and they're not the one doing the work because Polly is the one doing the calculations. Um, so it's kind of a bait and switch we did there. Don't tell anyone, but uh, <laughs> it works really well. Mm -hmm. So the beauty of the math is is greater in Polyup than it is in without it. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing is a lot of, um, I guess, more advanced math topics, more like the middle and high school level um, are, are really really uh, well shown in polyup. I guess the best example of this is like sequences. Um, in, in on, a, on a sheet of paper, um, you can write out a sequence or a series, or you can write kind of um, a recursive relation that, that creates the series. Every next term is like the sum of the previous terms or whatever it be. But in polyup, what you can do is, is kind of the base case is, is, is there and the relation is there and the sequence creates itself. And you can kind of see how changing the relation just a little bit causes a change in the output of the sequence. So it kind of takes the sequence and makes it literally just a base case in a relation. Um, and that's a really profound change of mindset that I would say is, is really important for students. But there's a lot of examples of topics of math that are really easily represented um, and are a lot more beautiful in politics, as you said. Well, I think your point about the worksheet is well made in that 
um, you can easily, as I'm playing around here on the site, you can easily manipulate the numbers to make the changes without having to like erase on the worksheet or rewrite the problem or, you know, sort of the, the operational barrier of the exactly. manipulation. Yeah. And that's something I didn't even mention, right? Like if you're writing on paper, um, it's always going to take more work to, to change what you're writing or modify an expression. Um, so like teachers, a lot of teachers give this thing called four fours. Uh, which is you have four fours, how can you make some number with, with an expression of four fours? So like four plus four plus four plus four makes 16. That's one example. Um, but it's kind of hard to give because you always have to erase the fours and rewrite the expression of four fours and rewrite the, the operations. So when teachers see this digital version of four fours where none of that is necessary and it's infinitely easy to just change an expression uh, in a digital environment, they're astounded. They're like, why haven't I been using this all along instead? Uh, so it's awesome to see. But yeah, definitely. Well, and I'm thinking back to the connection of the um, student who um, had has autism and the connection that you made to that learner. And by removing that physical barrier of managing the paper and the pencil and, and creating that digital learning opportunity, you're really meeting that learner's needs in a, in a different way. And you know, the fact that okay. the company listened to that, to that learner and, you know, committed to making some changes to make the product better, that product will be better for, for all learners. So um, I think that's a really powerful moment for your, for the creation of this and the evolution and iteration of it as you get some feedback from users. Exactly. Uh, that, that experience really changed how we viewed PolyUp. Uh, it kind of showed us that PolyUp was not just for the students who were already engaged in math. Yeah. Uh, it was for, you know, the the whole spectrum. Yeah. Um, and what we often see is, to, is teachers are actually using PolyUp for uh, their, their most behind students in their mm -hmm. special needs classes uh, to get them engaged in math. Because most of these students, it's not that they're lacking in intellect or anything. It's that they're lacking in motivation. They, lack, they, they don't see why they need to do math and they really don't care about it. And over the years, that causes them to fall behind. Mm -hmm. So something that can spark them to get back in the groove of understanding why math is important can go a long way in the long run mm -hmm. uh, for bringing them back into, you know, um, increasing their test scores and all those metrics that teachers are looking for. Yeah, and 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 really the conceptual knowledge. I think that's really interesting in seeing playing with Polly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of a lot of topics are are, are really cool to see yeah. in Polly. I can tell you if, if I had Polly up in my high school, middle school days, it, it would have made me love math even more even more uh, is that possible yeah i don't know no, yeah it's def definitely <laughs> possible a lot of times math is 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 annoying and hard uh, but you know you got to trudge through it so you've started you've created this this poly up and you've um started using it with some learners and teachers you know what's next in terms of poly up partnering with the consumer market to merge the computational thinking with the development of of toys mm-hmm so what people always ask us when we show them PolyUp is, is how much does this cost? Um, and it's they kind of don't believe us when we say it's free. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they think there's that we're either selling their data or it's some kind of freemium model where they're going to pay later and not now. Or maybe they um, will only be able to play with some select set of puzzles given that's free and there's like a better tier. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's literally just free for the education market. Um, and the reason for this is, is really there's, there's not that much um, money to squeeze out of education. Teachers are already, you know, stressed for resources, and, and we don't think it would be uh, that profitable 
but mostly not like fair or or moral to to squeeze money out of the people who are trying to benefit with a social impact. Um, so so that's kind of my pitch for why it's free. Now the question is how do we survive as a business? Because Polyup is a business, not a nonprofit. Um, and that's where we get into kind of the consumer side of things. Um, so what Polyup is doing is we're working with consumer tech companies to integrate with their products so consumers of those products can modify these products with Polyup. And I know that was a bit of a mouthful, but let me give you an example. Um, so Mattel is this huge uh, toy conglomerate and they make this Batmobile, which is this really fancy RC car. You know, RC cars have, have gone a long way from the olden days. They don't just go forward and backward anymore. They have a ton of different functions and they can do move in 20 different ways. Um, and so it's kind of a shame that we can only control it with the remote. And we can say this button for moving the, you know, the, the, the top of the car up or down, this button for moving forward, et cetera. Wouldn't it be really cool if you could actually um, program this car to do some preset thing? Uh, or even react to its environment. And that's where, once we build that integration with Polyup, what tells consumers will be able to do. And obviously that makes the consumers infinitely more invested in their product, right? Because if you just have buttons that tell the consumer product to go forward or backward, uh, it's gonna get boring. But if you can program it to do whatever, there, there's kind of an unlimited scope of what you can do. And that's kind of the value pitch for, for these companies. Companies, and that's kind of where we make money. The specific model we're looking at is, is called modding as a service. So every time a consumer modifies their product um, with Polyup, then we get some, some small amount of money um, for that. So that, that's how we're going to make money in the long run. Mm, interesting model. And it sounds like an opportunity for the consumer or the learner to actually apply the math and uh, to exactly. some real-world situation. So you see some sort of relevancy in it and can yep, apply I, your understanding to create something new. Exactly. So I, I can tell you what actually sparked um, this idea and this, this going down this whole road. Um, it was a student. So we were showing Polly up to a class, um, and they were very engaged, as usual, just playing with it. Uh, and at the end of the time, at the end of the class, a student would just ask us, so what can I do with this? Um, and at first I was like, what do you mean? You just, you just learn math. That, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and he's like, but, but no, I'm just playing with numbers. I'm not actually doing anything with it. Um, and, and turns out he's right. At that time, we only had um, something in this little numbers environment. And all you could do is play with numbers. Um, and that's how we started thinking, okay, what if you could actually uh, program things in the real world with this numbers environment? So you don't have to learn some programming syntax or become a programming expert you can modify your world with math. Um, and that's actually our tagline now, mod with math. Um, and that's that's the direction we're going in, so for sure. So let's go back to the, the K-12 market. And on your website, um, you have something called the Poly Challenge coming up. Tell us about that and how our listeners might get involved. Um, so we know that teachers always have a tough time introducing yet another um, you know, tech toy or, or item or activity into the classroom because they're very time pressed. Um, so we were thinking of ways to make Polyup more used outside the classroom um, because we think because it's such a self-contained environment um, that kind of helps you as you go, it, it doesn't really need to be in the classroom. It doesn't need to, to waste, per se, that valuable time, even though it's, it's very useful. Um, so what we came up with is the Poly Challenge. Um, and the, the mission of the Poly Challenge is to incentivize um, growth in computational thinking and mathematics. So... The model of Poly Challenge is very simple. 
play with polyup, solve and create polyup puzzles, and you will gain this thing called polycoin. Um, it's kind of a point system. So every every polyup puzzle you create, you get 10 coins. Every time you create a puzzle and someone plays with your puzzle, you get like two coins. So there's kind of an incentive to, to be a creator of content on this platform too. Um, and so you amass all these coins over the duration of the challenge. And the cool thing is at the end of the challenge, we're working with a ton of nonprofits um, to give really cool prizes for, for classrooms and for schools. So there's, an, there's a real life incentive to actually work on these math problems. That is, at the end of these three or four months, you're going to be given a chance to win, you know, whatever you want for your classroom. Uh, and, and you can decide what you'd want to win based on um, this, this thing called Donors Choose, where you can put up, it's like a Kickstarter for classrooms. Mm -hmm. um, and we would fund it if you win. So that's kind of uh, why you should join Poly Challenge to win awesome prizes and obviously to grow your computational thinking skills yeah, I uh, and get better at math. So I love that idea of incentivizing, um, you mentioned computational thinking. Yeah, for sure. So is it kids can join or do they have to join through their teachers? Um, I heard you say resource for the classroom, so I wasn't sure if it was teachers yeah, are so getting the prize anyone, at the end. So at the end of the day, teachers are the ones getting the prizes. Um, so we're, we're mostly going through teachers. Uh, but if kids want to you know, notify their teachers of this and kind of do it for their whole classroom, that would be awesome. Um, anyone can kind of play with the poly challenge and gain coins. It's just the you have to have a teacher to, to kind of win those prizes. Um, so the, the way to join is really simple. Just go to polychallenge.org and you can kind of follow the three or four instructions there and you'll be all set up for, for playing with the challenge. Interesting. And we'll put those links in the show notes. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. So it's time for our lightning round response questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we ask each of our TL Talk Radio guests um, the same questions with the hope of finding some more resources that we can pursue and learn from, um, as well as our listeners. So uh, first, first question, who's one expert our listeners should connect with regarding mathematics in education and computational thinking? Okay, I would say uh, Joe Bowler. Um, she's very renowned in the math education space. She goes to a lot of conferences and talks, um, and she's done a lot of research on things like growth mindset, the idea that like students are not um, constrained by some initial intellect, but really it's, it's how much they work at it um, and they can grow their mathematical ability. Um, and there's a lot of research backing that. Um, so yeah, go check out Joe Bowler. Okay, second question. If you were recommending one book to our listeners, um, what book would that be? Um, and a lot of people share I, some of their own work here. Oh, okay. Can I, can I plug myself? Of course. Okay. Um, so yeah, as I said, Yahya and I, uh, the, the visiting professor at Stanford, kind of how poly up all started is we were writing this book. Um, so that book is now available. You can find it on Amazon. It's called Eureka, E-U-R-E-K-A. Um, and it's really simple. It's just a set of 14 problems that are really beautiful well, in our eyes, really beautiful and have a def bunch of different ways to solve. And it takes you through every way to solve every problem um, with a lot of, you know, little like challenges and activities for the reader. So it's a very um, dynamic and engaging read. If you want to, you know, test your computational thinking skills, go for it. All right. We will add that to the show notes. And last question before we ask you to share what's next. Um, what online site or resource or person do you personally learn from regularly? Yeah. Um, 
there's this YouTuber called Three Blue One Brown. Um, he makes the most amazing math animations I've ever seen. Um, so definitely, if you get one thing from this podcast, go check out Three Blue One Brown. Um, he takes some of the hardest math topics. Um, for example, he he had a video about the hardest problem on the hardest test math test in the world called the Putnam, and he deconstructs it in a way that anyone can understand. So if you want to see the beauty of math, go watch his videos. It's, it's amazing. I've never heard of that. Have you? I have not, yeah. but that's the beauty of the yeah. podcast yeah. is we learn For such sure. great things from the people that come on and yeah. share. We'll share that out with our, our staff and teachers. And I'm thinking my own son as well is a 15-year-old and could benefit awesome. from that. So we've learned a lot about PolyUp, and uh, it's been exciting. I actually am inspired to go explore a little bit more. So uh, now that we know about PolyUp, what is next for you and what is next for PolyUp that you'd like to share with us today? Yeah. Um, so what's next for me, I guess, overlaps with PolyUp. So I can get that out of the way first. Um, as I said, we're working on a lot of consumer integration for PolyUp. Uh, and that's going to be kind of our main focus of creating these this backend integration so people can really modify their world with mathematics. Um, the other thing we're working on with PolyUp is AR, augmented reality. Um, so the cool thing is you can you know, buy a robot and modify it with PolyUp, and that's cool, but that still requires you to buy that robot. Um, and if we're thinking about equity issues, that's not equitable, right? Not everyone has the resources to go buy that robot, um, especially when they're like $50, $100 a piece. So what you can do is bring that robot for free into a virtual world um, with something called augmented reality. So if you're pointing your phone, you will see that robot um, moving. For example, we have a demo of a robot following a path of a graph you input. Um, and you can it, it really looks like that robot is real through the, through the lens of your phone. Um, and it gives you almost the exact same experience through AR. So I guess AR is a big, a big play that we're working on. Um, other than that, personally, um, Obviously, I'm in college. That takes up a lot of my time. <laughs> um, just trying to take, you know, a lot of a lot of classes that I find interesting. Um, I'm trying to get three majors, so I'm going to be very busy. Uh, you know, math, computer science, business, um, just to you know hit all hit all the topics that I'm interested in. Um, so it's it's mostly college. Um, I'm working on a couple of projects on the side. Uh, nothing nothing too major. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just excited to be college and it's a ton of fun and I'm really enjoying it. So it's enough for me, I guess. <laughs> Seems like an awful lot. <laughs> yep. Some, some pretty incredible contributions um, that you've already created. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Shia. We really enjoyed talking with you and we're eager to, to investigate further um, some of the resources that you've shared. For our listeners to learn more about Shia's work, you can check out some of the resources Shia shared, including PolyOp and the machines at polyop.com for educators and also a link to the Poly Challenge. And the resources that Shia shared as well during the lightning response questions. Sure. All right, this has been fun, Shia. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. It was my pleasure to join and I really enjoyed this conversation. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about 
with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. So this episode's question, how can you utilize PolyApp to engage your learners more deeply in computational thinking? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season five, episode 24. That's all for now. We'll be back soon featuring another conversation with another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Shia. Thanks, Shia. Bye-bye. Yep. Have a great day. You too. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.